Good evening. This is Justin Ford in the studio for Africa Christian Action Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. Tonight we are discussing Ascension Day. Dr. Hammond, what is significant about Thursday, the 18th of May this year? It's Ascension Day. We're still actually in the Easter season in terms of church liturgy, which only closed on Pentecost Sunday. Easter Sunday was on the 9th of April this year, so we're approaching the 40th day after Easter, which for Christians is Holy Thursday or the Feast of the Ascension or Ascension Day. We commemorate the day when Jesus ascended back into heaven from the Mount of Olives, which overlooks Jerusalem. Are there any countries that still take Ascension Day seriously or treat it as a holiday? Yes, there are indeed. Um, I'm sorry to say we're not one of them because Ascension Day used to be very popular in South Africa, but it was abolished in 1995, sadly, replaced with Workers' Day, Women's Day, Youth Day and Freedom Day. I suppose to remember when we lost our freedom. But uh, Austria and Germany still have Ascension Day, Switzerland, uh, Belgium, Netherlands, I believe even France and some Scandinavian countries. So Ascension Day is observed still in about 26 countries around the world as a public holiday. If we survey the state of our lives or our society or even our nation or the world as a whole, we might be led to ask, why are so many things wrong these days? Is that an appropriate question to ask? Very appropriate. I would say these are the inevitable consequence of the spirit of our age. We are rejecting the authority of Christ, rejecting what Ascension Day stands for. And so you can see in the spirit of the age, antinomianism, which means hostility to law. The rejection of God's moral law inevitably leads, leads to lawlessness, where every man does what is right in his own eyes. And then there's egalitarianism, the rejection of authority, the lack of respect for elders. This is producing a self-centered and selfish society. And there's evolutionism which is being taught and promoted all over, even in our universities and in many museums and uh, textbooks. Evolutionism denies the Creator and it therefore denies accountability to Almighty God and Day of Judgment. So the spirit of evolutionism, the idea that once upon time there was nothing and then there was something and that something became everything and a whole lot of time and a whole lot of nothing made everything, it erodes the very foundations of Christian civilization. The idea that you are not answerable to anyone and that there's no actual right and wrong. Foundational truths have been ignored. Vital pillars of Christian civilization have been eroded. What we are seeing today is the inevitable outworkings of false doctrines being introduced and tolerated and accepted, and in many cases, even celebrated. One of the great problems of our age is the separating of salvation from the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's only one Savior, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone can save us. We cannot accept Jesus as my Savior without submitting to him as Lord. Those who are preaching a cheap grace and easy believers, easy to be saved, just believe, just raise your hand, just pray this prayer. And that kind of cheap grace, this easy believism, it portrays an inadequate understanding of the problem of sin. It portrays an inadequate understanding of the nature of God. It fails to understand Christ's mission on earth and our purpose in calling as Christians. Consider the book of Exodus. It would not have been sufficient for Moses to proclaim to the Hebrews, you're free in Yahweh, you've got perfect freedom in Yahweh, while they remain slaves in bondage and under the whip of slavery in Egypt. Anything less than deliverance from Egypt and freedom from the bondage of slavery would have been inadequate. God's eternal purposes required the people of Israel to survive the Passover, to leave Egypt, to cross through the Red Sea, and to be established as a free people in the Promised Land. Sin is serious. We are all too far tolerant of sin. 
Yet sin is more defiling than dirt. It's more dangerous than an unexploded bomb. It's more life-threatening than a deadly disease. It's more insidious than a virus. And that's why the scriptures seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's all from Isaiah 55. Compromise and cowardice have had catastrophic consequences. We can recognize the outworkings of the classic tactics of corrupt and conquer, and confuse, divide and conquer. All too many of us have been deceived, distracted, divided, disarmed. There are those who are openly advocating for the destruction of Christian civilization. I mean, the very basics of civilization, the marriage and the family, um, are under attack today. And a person can say something as obvious as, well, there's only two genders, or God created them male and female. And some people scream that this is now hate speech or something like a thought crime. These are essential for civilization, that people know their gender roles and duties and they understand the difference between men and women, they understand uh, what constitutes marriage and uh, what are the foundations of society. And even the very idea of right and wrong itself, or good and evil, are being questioned. And the response of all too many Christian leaders, sadly, has been compromise and cowardice. What is the solution, Dr. Hammond and... How does it have to do with this somewhat overlooked celebration that is Ascension Day? Ascension Day deals with authority. The Ascension points us to the solution to all of our problems because Ascension Day deals with authority. Christ has gone into heaven. He is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him, 1 Peter 3.22. The trouble is that today, if you consider uh, our calendar, we do need a Christian calendar, and I'm afraid many people now have a secular calendar. People are not observing holy days, and that's the etymology of the word holiday. A holiday was a holy day, and people didn't stay away from church on a holiday. They, they had more church services on holy days, on holidays. And now we've got a very secular society where our calendar is becoming more secular, and people are trying to secularize many great Christian holidays. But just consider a Christian calendar. What are the five most important holidays in a year from a Christian perspective. Well, Christmas, Good Friday, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, uh, Ascension Day and Pentecost Sunday. Those should be the five great high points of a Christian calendar. Well, the trouble is many Christians want to stop with Christmas. And Christmas celebrates the greatest gift of all, the coming, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. The incarnation of Christ when God took on human form and was born in Bethlehem is very important. But many would prefer to think of Christ as still being a babe in a manger, rather than as the risen, ascended, sovereign Lord reigning on high. But consider the most classic Christmas verse, Isaiah 9, verse 67, which is pounded out in Handel's Messiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Well, many like that you have a child is born. That's quite cute and nice and sweet and a babe in a manger and all that. Many would like to stop there and edit out that the government will be upon his shoulder. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, that all sounds too intimidating. That's too threatening. It's too intrusive. 
This has implications for every area of life. Most would prefer a God of love and mercy who answers our prayers and provides all our needs. But we're not too comfortable with a holy God who sees everything, even the thoughts of our hearts, and who is the eternal judge that we must give an account to. We live in a society now where God's government is decapitalized and man's civil government is capitalized. How many people will put a small G for gospel, but put a capital G for government when referring to, to civil government, politicians? When we refer to the government, capital G, we should only be referring to God, who is the one who determines whether we live and when we die. Like Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, and the government, capital G, shall be upon his shoulders. He is the one who governs the universe. He determines the seasons. God alone is all-knowing. He is everywhere present and all-powerful. He determines whether we live and when we die. He is the government. All human authority is limited. All human authority is delegated by God, and all human authority is answerable to Almighty God. We will all have to bow before Christ and give an account of our lives and of every word we've ever spoken on that last dreadful day of judgment. Every one of us has an appointment, an appointment we will not be able to miss. In fact, we will not even be able to be late for this appointment. Hebrews 9.27 declares, It is appointed unto men to die once, but after this to face judgment. Well, Christmas is a super important holiday, but the second most important holiday in the Christian calendar is Good Friday, when we solemnly remember the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ, his great sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. He suffered, he bled, he died for our sins. He endured the punishment and sufferings we deserve so that we can enjoy the reward that only he deserves. This should inspire us afresh to repentance, to thanksgiving, to consecration. In view of God's mercies, we should present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. However, many Christians stop with Jesus as the suffering Savior on the cross. Roman Catholics, for example, have crucifixes depicting Christ's suffering on the cross. And that's historically true, but it's not true for this moment. So we Protestants have tended to reject crucifixes. Just Christ is no longer suffering on the cross. So we tend to choose simple, plain, rugged crosses because our Lord Jesus is no longer on the cross. He is the risen, ascended, victorious King of kings and Lord of lords. He is reigning on high. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Okay, so Good Friday is super important as well. But the third great Christian holiday event is Resurrection Sunday. And this is a joyous celebration of the victory of Christ over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus Christ is risen indeed. He is risen from the dead. He is alive forevermore. Death is defeated. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Death is defeated. He is the resurrection life. He has been declared to be the Son of God with the power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Consider the fact that all the founders of religions and major movements are dead. You can visit the graves of Buddha and Confucius and Marx and Lenin, but in Jerusalem there's an empty tomb. He is not here. He is risen. He is raised for our justification. It's absolutely vital that we include Ascension Day and Pentecost Sunday also into our Christian calendar. That is what is all too often missing. Forty days after Resurrection Sunday, Christians celebrate the ascension of Christ into heaven. He is alive forevermore. He is exalted. He is enthroned at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is above every other name. He is above every other authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have an advocate in heaven. He hears our prayers. He will crush all his enemies. He will come again. Therefore, we must go and make disciples of all nations.
Dr. Hammond, if Ascension Day is one of the five most important Christian holidays, why is it not accorded more attention or deference by society and government, particularly in South Africa? Well, it's very significant that some governments have seen fit to abolish the long-established Ascension Day as a public holiday because Ascension Day deals with authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Politicians, doubtless, are uncomfortable at a day that points to one of the most important doctrines of the Lordship of Christ in all areas of life. Maybe they don't like the implications that Jesus Christ is Lord over the world of business and sports and entertainment and government. Jesus Christ is Lord over schools and shops and cinemas, factories, hospitals, law courts and parliament. There is no area of life that's outside of his authority. Every doctor, every teacher, every policeman, every businessman, every parliamentarian, every factory worker, every farmer, mother, father, magistrate, every Supreme Court justice will have to individually stand before Mighty God on Day of Judgment and give an account of our lives to him. The Ascension proclaims the vindication and the victory of Christ. No doubt the high priest Caiaphas and King Herod and the Roman governor Pontius Pilate no doubt they thought they were very important and powerful people. Yet we only remember these religious and political leaders because they arrogantly dismissed and unjustly condemned Jesus Christ, the only good and perfect person who ever lived. They did not recognize that they were condemning to death the Creator, the Giver of Life, the Eternal Judge before whom each one must stand. Psalm 68 declares, You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive. Think of the Emperor Augustus who issued the decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. He required everyone to return to the town of birth. Augustus could not have realized at that time that the baby born to third-class subjects in faraway Judea, that he would one day judge him. Psalm 110 is one of the greatest Messianic Psalms, and it's a psalm quoted again and again in the New Testament. Psalm 110 verse 1 declares, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make all your enemies your footstool. And so it is quite clear, Jesus is the Messiah. God has installed him on his holy hill. He will judge. And so we've got to ask people, is Jesus your saviour or is he your judge? The ascension proclaims the ultimate victory of Christ. Those who refuse to bow to Christ as saviour and lord today, in the day of grace, when forgiveness is freely available, when the door to heaven is wide open, if we refuse to bow today in day of grace, we will one day be forced to bow to Christ as the eternal judge when the day of grace is ended and when the door to heaven is firmly closed. But, and they will be condemned because Psalm 110 goes on to say, He shall execute kings in the days of his wrath. He shall judge amongst the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. That's part of what essentially they proclaim, Psalm 110. The day will come when Jesus will return. He'll judge kings. He will execute the heads of many nations. And the question, therefore, we need to ask people is not, will you bow to Christ, but when will you bow to Christ? Will you bow to Christ as your Savior and Lord today, or will you only bow to Christ as your judge on the day of judgment? Think of Psalm, uh, of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no authority above that of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
every knee will bow to him. Compared to Christ, the kings in the presence of this world are as nothing. We have just witnessed a very impressive coronation ceremony in England and what an amazing pageantry and what a spectacular spectacle. Uh, but it's nothing compared to our Lord Jesus Christ. And even in the coronation service, they had to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ and the king had to first pledge allegiance to the king of kings before he could expect anyone to pledge allegiance to him. And even the orb he carried symbolized the, the hollow gold globe, symbolized the world, and it has a cross above it, symbolizing the kingdom of Christ and the rule of Christ of all areas of life. Um, of course, South Africa was represented there in the sense of the Cullinan one and Cullinan two, the Star of Africa one and Star of Africa two, two of the biggest diamonds in history, who were, which has come from the Cullinan diamond found north of Pretoria in 1906, gifted by General Smuts to the uh, King of England, the time King Edward VIII. And so the scepter includes the South African uh, diamond, as does the imperial crown. Uh, but so much in that ceremony included things like the king pledging to uphold and protect the Reformed and Protestant religion, to um, uh, rule in accordance with the Gospels of Christ and the laws of God, uh, to uh, swear to uh, honour and obey God and his laws with administering everything in terms of justice and mercy in accordance with the law of God and the Gospels of Christ. So even there, in a coronation service that looked so spectacular from a human point of view, it's just pointing to the King of Kings who will one day return and require all these vassal kings to give an account to him of how faithful they have been in administering this. We could add, he is not just the King of Kings, he's the President of Presidents. Every president, every head of state is answerable to him. Every judge, every Supreme Court justice who thinks they are important, they're not the ultimate Supreme Court justice. They will have to bow before the judge, who is the creator God himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. So all of this is proclaimed by Ascension Day. And you can imagine how many people um, think that, well, ultimate authority rests in this government body, this Congress, the Senate, oh, in Britain they might say the, the king, and other countries they might say the parliament, but the fact is all of these are delegates authority, limited authority, answerable to the ultimate authority, which is Christ. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. This explains why some governments are not too enthusiastic about bringing Ascension Day back as a public holiday, I think. Yeah, um, it symbolizes every... Um, tyrannical or corrupt regimes worst nightmare when they lose power and the victim gains power definitely uh, from the perspective of the persecuted Christian we, which you know well having been a missionary in Africa and elsewhere how would you say Ascension Day is viewed through that prism of the persecuted Christian the Ascension is a great comfort to believers who suffer persecution I've had the privilege for most of the last 40 years of serving persecuted churches and I've done so as far afield as Eastern Europe back when the Berlin Wall and the Iron Curtain were up, smuggling behind the Iron Curtain to Christians suffering severe persecution. Whether I'm talking about ministering in Albania or Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, Poland, uh, East Germany, Romania, Hungary, Bulgaria, um, all people have suffered persecution. Whether you're talking about Mozambique, Angola, Congo, Northern Nigeria, Sudan. The people who suffer persecution uh, look to pastors on the ascension, such as in Hebrews 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, 
who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and, and help in time of need. So we have an advocate in heaven. This is the message of essentially. He hears our prayers. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He will come again. He will crush all his enemies. Therefore, we should not fear governments or popes or councils. We must not bow before idols, nor may we compromise the essential principles of our faith. Although Christ is physically absent from the earth, yet through his Holy Spirit he is spiritually present. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere present. He is all-powerful. For he must reign till he has put all his enemies under his feet. The ascension is a wonderful reminder and assurance to us that the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's in Habakkuk 2.14. The ascension proclaims Christ's glorious triumph and his future return on the day of judgment. Therefore, as Christians, we should return to observing Ascension Day as a holy day to our faith and applying its implications into every area of life. Romans 12 verse 1 to 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, Dr. Hammond, you said we should apply the implications of Ascension Day into every area of life. What are the implications of Ascension Day for the Christian life? Christ has all authority and he commands us to make disciples of all nations. So essentially he's calling us to committed discipleship and consistent obedience to obey all things whatsoever he's commanded. We need to take up our cross, forsake the world and follow Christ. Think again of the Old Testament illustration in Exodus. Israel could not fulfill its calling by remaining in bondage in Egypt. Neither can we effectively serve God today if we remain conformed to this world in bondage to its sins and its adulteries. So attempting to accept the benefits of Jesus as my personal Savior, while denying his authority as Lord over all areas of life, is futile. There's only one Savior, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we need to go beyond celebrating Christmas, worshiping the babe in the manger. We need to go beyond accepting the atonement of, for our sins and recognize that Jesus Christ is risen, ascended, reigning on high, King of kings, Lord of lords. He will come again to judge the living and dead. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to fear God. On Ascension Day, we need to ask people, have you surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you studying his word, the Bible, and seeking to faithfully apply biblical principles to all areas of life? Let us get back to the Bible for Reformation Revival, knowing that the day will come when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dr. Hammond, you made it clear that Ascension Day deals with authority, and you quoted the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Does this mean that as a missionary, you see a special significance in Ascension Day? Very much so. Just immediately before the Ascension, our Lord gave the Great Commission. The book of Acts, the missionary book of the New Testament, begins by describing the Ascension of Christ into heaven. And it tells us that at the Ascension, the Lord commanded his followers to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And he promised, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So already we can see the significance of Ascension Day for missionaries. Now, going back to your question and the Great Commission in Matthew, look at how Matthew 28 contains a great truth. Jesus Christ is Lord over all areas of life. 
contains a great commission. We are to make disciples of all nations. It contains a great command. We are to teach obedience to all things that the Lord has commanded, and it contains a great promise. The Lord himself promises to be with us for all time. That should make it clear we call to do far more than merely share the gospel, because Christ declared all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So the Lordship of Christ in every area of life must be proclaimed and it must be practiced. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Notice we're not called to just make converts or decisions, but disciples. And we to make disciples not only of individuals, you start there. And of course families, which is vital. Families are the basic building block of study. But we are to disciple not only individuals and families, but congregations and communities. But more than that, the Great Commission is commanding us to make disciples of nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So complete submission to Almighty God is essential. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Education is an essential part of the Great Commission. We're not just to teach faith or a selection of a few of our favorite things. We've been instructed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to teach obedience to everything he has commanded. This great commission must be our supreme ambition. The last command of Christ must be our first concern. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. We must never allow distractions or danger or disappointment or determined opposition to deter us from obeying Christ's great commission. Our purpose on earth is to make disciples teaching obedience. The lifeblood of the church is its evangelistic zeal. No matter what the situation, no matter how adverse the circumstances may seem to be, the Lord's command is to preach the word, be ready, in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And this requires us to be bold and innovative and persistent and seeking first the kingdom of God. Nothing that God commands us to do is impossible. No people that he commands us to reach are unreachable. As you read in the book of Acts, the Lord went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the disciples went out. A handful of disciples in the upper room went out and changed the world. We should remember that every Ascension Day. Dr. Hammond, what uh, do you normally do to celebrate Ascension Day, or do you have anything in particular lined up for this year? Yes, indeed. We always recommend people to celebrate Ascension Day as, a, as their holiday, Christian businesses and schools, and to have Ascension Day services. Um, if one doesn't have the day off, because of the unique position of one's occupation or country, then maybe an Ascension Day evening service. For example, on Thursday evening, the 18th of May, we will be having an Ascension Day service at the Reformation Society in Rondebosch. And anyone who's interested in joining us at Livingston House and celebrating Ascension Day, we will be celebrating that on this coming Thursday, the 18th of May. But during the day, we're planning an outreach. In fact, at the Minister's Conference at Quasabanta Mission earlier this year, it was determined to reclaim Ascension Day by organizing outreaches all over the country. There'll be a march to the Durban City Hall, for example, in Durban. Um, but in Cape Town, we're planning on Ascension Day this Thursday, the 18th of May, starting at 11 a.m. from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're encouraging Christians to assemble at the Boatenkrook Street traffic, light, traffic island between the Cape Town International Conference Center and the entrance to the waterfront to proclaim the Lordship of Christ on Ascension Day, to honor him as the King of Kings, and to distribute gospel literature. So we are looking for literature distributors and people who will stand and pray and sing with us and hold the banners and, and scriptures, posters of God high, uh, to proclaim he must reign till he's put all his enemies under his feet. So if you're interested, you can visit the Quasabantu website 
www.ksb.org.za to hear of other outreaches planned around the country. Or in Cape Town, you can consult our christianaction.org.za website, christianaction.org.za website to see our upcoming events. But if you can join us, join us at the Boatencroft Street Traffic Island just outside the entrance of Waterfront at 11 a.m. on this Thursday, the 18th of May. Or join us in the evening in Rondebosch for our Reformation Society celebration service of Ascension Day. You can get more information from phoning 021-689-4480 or email info at christianaction.org.za. Dr. Hammond, are there any other resources you would like to recommend to the listeners? Yes, indeed. Uh, the Great Commission Handbook, the Great Commission Manual, um, and uh, we run a Great Commission course uh, every year as well. You can learn more of that on the www.frontlinemissionsa.org website. Thank you very much for enlightening us about Ascension Day, Dr. Hammond. In closing, let's consider Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Please join us next week at the same time, 104 FM on Radio Tigerberg, for the next program of Salt and Light. God bless and good night.